glad we can get into the Word. I don't know about you, uh, I know this is a time for resolutions and changes to make in your life, and you know me, you can make, I'll tell you, you can make a change anytime, but if you're going to pick now, then great. Uh, especially if you're going to get into God's Word more this year, get into prayer more, uh, you will see changes in your life, I promise you, and God's Word uh, will bless you, and that's that's why we stick with it, because, uh, you know, authors come and go, uh, books become irrelevant and outdated very quickly. If you ever, uh, you know, if anyone went to school a while ago or college, if you kept any of those college books and you get them open again, you will find out a lot of things are outdated. Uh, they don't uh, they don't believe the same things anymore. They've proven things wrong and everything else. But aren't you glad we've got this book right here in our hands? That was uh, uh, it's old. It's it's from the beginning, uh, and it will be till the end, all the way to eternity. And I'm thankful for God's word. But Jeremiah chapter three, uh, we're going to look into God's word this morning. Thankful for it. It says this, uh, verse one, Jeremiah three one. They say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man, shall he return? Turn unto her again. Shall not the land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return to me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places, and see where thou hast uh, been lying with, and the ways hast thou sat for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there uh, hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refuses to be ashamed. Wilt thou not from this time cry to me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth? Uh, will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldst. The Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah the king, hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She hath gone up uh, upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not and her treacherous sister Judah saw it and I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not but went and played the harlot also and it came to pass through the likeness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks we'll read verse 10 finally and yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your power and your presence. Lord, you're a good God. Lord, I ask that you'd help me to be able to preach this morning. Use me today to open up your word. Lord, we're so thankful for what you have for us in store. Lord, that you would uh, uh, use the word to open our hearts and our minds. Lord, bring us back to you. Lord, convict us where we need convicting. And Lord, we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So Jeremiah, uh, he grew up, his father was a priest, uh, and he was called in probably his late teens and early 20s. And although he grew up in a godly home, uh, that wasn't enough. You know, that's not enough just to grow. I mean, you're blessed if you grow up in a Christian home, but you still have to have a personal encounter with God. And that's what we see in chapter one. God has that encounter with him and calls him. Uh, and then in chapter two, he, he starts to get his first message, his first prophecy. Uh, 
Jeremiah against the land of Judah. And it wasn't Jeremiah's opinion. He's not bringing his opinion or anything else. If you look over a page or on the other side of the page and in chapter two, verse one, the Lord comes to him and says, go and cry unto the ears of Jerusalem. And, and there are times in Jeremiah's life, especially where they don't like his message. You know, they'll hear things from the Lord through Jeremiah and they don't like it. It convicts them. It offends them and everything else. Uh, but God tells him multiple times, even though they won't listen, you tell them anyway. Right. You tell them anyway. Uh, uh, you and, and here's the thing. There may be times that, uh, you know, the Sunday school teacher or, or maybe I or Bob are up here preaching and you don't like what we say. Now, granted, if it's something from our opinion or something that we've invented, then that's OK to not like it. But if it's from the word of God, if it's God's word and the truth, then don't take it out on me. Take it out on God. And really what it means is you need to fix what God's pointing out. A lot of times we get angry at, at, at the man of God and really, uh, really our anger needs to be with God ourselves. We're too afraid to be angry at God most of the time. But I'll tell you what we need to do. Instead of running to another church or, or, or flipping the channel or anything like that, we need to say, God, you know what? You're right. And help me to deal with that. You know, he will. But verse one, you can see in this passage uh, that he's using a big metaphor here. He is saying that, hey, uh, the way Judah, remember Israel and Judah, the two different kingdoms are split at this point. They've got different kings uh, and Israel has already been taken captive, the northern part. And he's saying, hey, Judah uh, and the Lord, uh, you and I are like a married couple. We're like we're married, right? The, he's saying, Judah, I'm married to you. That's the metaphor that you see. But but then you see over and over again that how Judah has committed spiritual adultery with the Lord. Right. They instead of being faithful with God as a husband and wife would be faithful with each other. Judah has decided to go after other gods. And this shouldn't surprise us. We've seen this before, right? We've, we've heard this before. They, they've committed spiritual adultery. But notice this. Even in, in, in the end of verse 1, thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. But what's God say? Yet return again uh, to me, saith the Lord. Do you see? That's mercy right there. God is saying, hey, you have gone to other gods. You, you've trusted in idols instead of me. You've trusted in yourself and everything else. But in spite of your unfaithfulness, in spite of you uh, uh, going behind my back, the Lord says, I still want you back. And that, that's a loving God right there. And he is the God of another chance, yeah. isn't he? He wants you back today. If you have gone away from Jesus Christ, he wants you back today. Whether we're in the Old Testament or the New, God is merciful. He wants you. But there's a time that the mercy will run out. And I can't tell you when, but if the calling is now to come back to him. But you see the adultery in this marriage relationship. But here in verse one, it seems a little confusing to us. I think because sometimes we read and he says, hey, if you've married someone, divorced someone, uh, uh, and then they marry somebody else, I don't want you to go back to that first spouse. And we, uh, we, we, we read that and sometimes we're thinking, man, that seems strange, right? Why, uh, why is there a problem with that? Uh, uh, what's wrong with that in physical marriage? Like we're talking about spiritually, uh, but uh, literally, what's the problem with that? And you know what the problem is? 
Our society treats marriage so lightly and treats divorce so lightly today that it's just for convenience. It's just for, you know, I want something different as long as it works for me. It has been, our society has been doing this for a long time. And the problem is we read what God uh, uh, wants for marriage. And sometimes it's hard to even understand. Really, God, is that what you want? Yes, I want a man and a woman together for their entire lives, faithful to one another. And spiritually, he says, I want you faithful to me. One on uh, just you and I, that's it. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that God cannot forgive if you've been divorced or a spouse has walked away or anything else. God can forgive you of that. God can forgive you of these things that have happened. And I'm not saying that God can't bless a second marriage because he can. We've seen it. We've seen it where God has been able to bring people together and, and bless what this world has tore up or what sin has destroyed. God's been able to bless it. But I'll promise you one thing, and you can ask a lot of uh, people that have gone through this. It will be harder. Every bit of it will be harder, especially when there's children. You will struggle with that the rest of your life. I'm telling you, that's why God says, I want you together. Anyway, let's keep going on. Verse 2. He's saying, hey, uh, I, I, you're, you lift up your eyes. Uh, look at the high places and, and look at who you've lined with. And he's saying all these things. You know what he's told him? He just told him to repent, verse 1. And now he's saying, hey, uh, I want you to look around and see because the, one of the problems you see in the children of Israel over and over again is they refuse to see their own sin. Right? He's telling them you need to repent, but in order to repent, you have to realize that you've got to turn from something, right? Uh, and, and we, we call people to Jesus Christ. We say, hey, you need a savior. We, you need someone to save you of your sins. But if you don't accept that you're a sinner, uh, we can't give you Jesus because he saved sinners. You see what I'm talking about? Same thing with the children of Israel. Same thing with Judah right here. He's saying, hey, uh, I know this message seems strange to you, Judah, because you think you're all right, but you're not. Look around, right? You've got idols everywhere. Every hill, every green tree, everywhere where you would put a little altar, put a statue, everywhere where you would bow down at the city gate and everything else, you've got idols everywhere. Look around. I thought of that and I said, well, we don't have the same idolatry that they're talking about right here. But look around in our lives. Try to turn on the TV and find something that isn't full of sin. Right? Try to open up your phone, get on the computer and be bombarded with that stuff. You know what makes me sick? We're, we'll find shows, uh, videos of where they teach kids how to do letters and sounds and all kinds of goofy stuff. The kids love it and they learn a lot from it. Yet in between those videos of learning how to count and everything else... They'll have the, the most sexualized ad you've ever seen. And it's like, why? Because this world doesn't care. They don't care. They don't care about holiness or anything else that God cares about. He's saying, look around. Is there not a place you can go where there isn't something dedicated to sin in this life? There's not. Or a channel or anything else. But you know what the danger is as a Christian? Is that we become desensitized to it. And we become okay with it. And we start to, because that's what the devil's trying to do. Do you realize? You think he's just doing this stuff for fun? No, he wants every single person to be so deep in sin, so far from God. That's what he wants, including us. You know, a lot of this stuff's aimed at us, and we don't even realize it. He wants us to be okay with every sin. 
And that's the problem. We forget, hey, the sins that Jeremiah, they were struggling with, the sins that we're struggling with are the same sins that Jesus took to the cross of Calvary. He thought it was so important that he died for our sins. We can't uh, lose that. Then in verse three, he talks about, hey, I've withheld the rain. You see, there's a drought. And we know I'm not going to go into it. I've explained this before. But you go into Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11 and verse 13 and 14. And then a couple verses later, he makes it clear for Israel and Judah. He said, hey, as long as you are faithful to me, I will send you rain. You start turning to these other idols, I'll cut the rain off. And you know what he's telling them right here? He's saying, hey, you might have prayed to the rain God and the rain God's not answering. And you may think, well, I just need to up the ante. I need to sacrifice a little more. I need to pray a little harder at that statue. No, God is saying the reason it's not raining is because I told you it wouldn't. He's just making it clear. I'm the reason why you're suffering right now. That's what he's telling them. Hey, he's saying, hey, this is conviction. He's saying, look, I am married to you. You turn to other gods. You commit adultery. And that, hey, there's going to be problems. And it got worse for them. Look at the end of that verse. And thou hadst a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. He's saying, you are so deep in sin against me. And guess what? You're not even ashamed about it anymore. that's bad that's bad you know when you and I sin as a Christian you know what should happen we should feel guilt we should feel conviction that's the Holy Spirit that's our conscience working together showing us that hey what you're doing is wrong Uh, but hey if you continue in that sin over and over again and you don't try to deal with it you don't confess it to the Lord you don't do any of those things that guilt will be less and less each time until finally you'll get to the point where you don't even feel guilty anymore and you're thinking Mike can you get to that absolutely you can There are people today that are so deep in something God calls sinful and they think they're fine. They're close to God. I'm spiritual. Everything's great in my life. The Lord Lord and I are pals and everything else. You hear this nonsense out of them. And I'm thinking, I don't know about you. You must be ignoring something out of this word. But guess what? Any of us can do that. Any of us. I tell you what, it's a red flag. If you're starting to get... Uh, you're not starting to feel that guilt as much anymore as you used to. That conviction going less and less. We need to ask ourselves, is there any hidden sin? Any secret sin in our lives? We need to deal with that. Because that's a red flag. He goes on. Verses 6, 7, and 8. He tells them, he says, hey, basically he says this. He's talking to Judah, the southern kingdom. He says, I want you to remember uh, uh, remember what's happened. Verse 6. Hast thou seen uh, what backsliding Israel hath done? He's saying, hey, uh, Israel, your neighbors to the north, your brothers, the other tribes. Uh, you know, you realize what they did. They turned to other gods. I sent, I warned them with many prophets. They refused to repent. I sent judgment. They were carried off to captivity and now they're no more. You remember that? That's what he's telling Judah. Your neighbors, that's what happened to them. Now you're trying to do the same thing, right? You're trying to do the same thing. And, and expect some different result. He, that's what he's saying right here. You're, uh, verse 7, what's he say? Uh, and, he, and I said, uh, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. That's what Israel, they refused to repent. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. He said, you watched it. 
You watched Israel fall and sin. You watched their rebellion. You watched all of these things. And he says, hey, you still went down the same path. You see what he's saying right here? You know what? In all reality, if God's word tells us to do something or not to do something, that should be enough, right? That should be enough. God says it in his word. That's enough. But do you realize God gives us all kinds of examples, doesn't he? We can look around and we can see people that have gone against God's word and seen what's happened to them. We can look at nations and see what happens when they try to go against God. All around us, even today, we can see that. You can see homes, right? You can see one home where a parent decided, I'm going to try to do as best as I can uh, what the Lord called, uh, told me to do and raise up my children in a godly home and bring them to church and everything else. You can see that family. And then right next to them, you can see the family where the parents say, well, I'll let them decide whether they want to go to church or not. And look at the results. Over and over again. So what what he's saying right here is not only do you have my promises on what will happen if you do these things. I've given you an example and they're right next to you. It's Israel. You watch them fall. You know why they fell. And now you're going to try to do the same thing. Hmm. Right? That's what he's saying. You know what? You and I can go down the same road. And God's saying, hey. I told you what I want you to do or what I don't want you to do. You've seen people go against it, and now you're going to try, right? You're going to be the special one. You're going to be the exception. You're going to be the, no, you're not. I'll just pause right here and tell you real quick. Here's here, real easy. You will never prove this Bible wrong. You can try your entire life. There are people dedicating their entire lives, every waking moment, to get up and try to prove this thing wrong. They will fail. Right? Don't you follow them. Don't you follow them. Because the flip side is, we can take every single thing in here. We can take God and his word. We can take his promises. We can take his mercy. We can take his help. And he will help us. Right? You believe God's word that much? You're not proving it wrong. Everything will be fulfilled. Let's skip down to verse 10. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me. They wouldn't repent with her whole heart, but feignedly said the Lord. So Judah turned, right? She repented. But the Lord said, you didn't repent with your whole heart. You notice that? What's that mean? I believe that means she showed some kind of outward signs of repentance, right? Some outward signs and that word feignedly, we don't use it very often, but it really means a sham, deceitful, right? I'm going to do something outwardly that looks like I'm making a change, but inward in the heart, nothing's changed. That's what the Lord's saying. And guess what? If you want to be saved today, the first thing you have to do is repent, right? If you were saved, what did you do for you repented first said, I'm done with this life. I'm done serving myself. I'm done going down this road. I need Jesus Christ. And it was a real change. If you never repented, you're not saved today. But it's a turning and a complete turning. That's what the Bible, not just an outward showing. You know what you could do today that would 
I know this has happened over many years. You get to the end of a message, right? Conviction set in. And someone, man, a relative's been praying for that person for a long time. And they're like, man, uh, I, I know what I need to do, uh, but I'm just not sure about it in their mind. And they're thinking, you know what? Uh, it would really make mom, grandma, whoever really happy if I just came down and prayed. And you know what? They, they would look at me differently because they're kind of looking at me. I feel like they're looking at me because I'm a sinner di a different way. And, you know, if I just come down and, and, and you know, just, just pray a little bit, uh, things will be all right. You realize people have done that. They've come to an altar like this one. They've talked to a preacher. They've prayed, right? They've said some words. And when the church was excited, thinking, great, another one saved from hell. Yet on the inside. It was all an outward show. That's right. Nothing changed Amen. on the inside. That's why I'm not into tally marks, right? I'm not into forcing someone to come up here. If you if you really want Jesus Christ, you'll come. Yeah. You'll come to him. Right? Amen. I'm not interested in someone just bowing down and making us all happy for a few minutes and then you still going to hell. That's what he's saying, right? Look at this verse again. This is what Judas, and yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly. The Lord said it's a sham, right? I've seen what you're doing. You say you've put the idols away. They're still there in your heart, in your closet, right? What would we say, say today on your phone where no one else can see it, Right? I see what you're doing. That's what the Lord's saying. You said you would turn. You told people you've turned. You said all these things, but the Lord said you're treacherous because I see what's in your heart. Yeah. Mm. You know what? There is nothing hidden from the Lord at all. Nothing. Judah's hearts were still in adultery. They were still turning to other gods. They, you know, all of these things, they could act like they were repenting, act like things were great, but it didn't change their standing spiritually. You know, the Pharisees were the same way, right? We saw that. He saw what was in their heart. Elymas the sorcerer, right? He made a showing of getting saved, but then turns right around and still wants greed and wants to buy the power of giving someone the Holy Spirit. And, and remember what they said to him, get away, right? Uh, your, 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 your heart is evil uh, and all of these things, but there's nothing hidden from the Lord. And here's the thing. True repentance is humbling. You've got to admit there's a problem and admit that you that you need to change. Here's the thing, I'd hate today if there was someone sitting in the sanctuary where their entire Christian life is a sham, but it's true. People have done that. It's a sham. They've gone too far, and now what will people, here's what the devil's whispering in the ear, what will people think if all of a sudden you come up now? After all this time of sitting in that church, uh, maybe you took up membership, maybe you did this or that, you helped us with different things, you taught everything else, oh, and then all of a sudden you're just going to come up here and admit you've never been saved. You can't do that. Yes, you can. Amen. 
I've heard of it happening a couple times yeah. over the years where someone in their 20s grew up in church and then all of a sudden said, you know what? I never really got saved, although it may look like it. I never really got saved on the inside. Do you realize that's what matters? It's the heart. That's what he's saying. Yeah. I'll change your heart and from the inside out. I'll change you all together. You don't have to put an outward showing. You can change for real. You can. What's more important today? Is making us all believe that you're saved more important than a real relationship with Jesus Christ? God forbid. Get one yourself. Maybe there's a Christian in this room harboring some secret sin and is really good at hiding it. You're not hiding it from God. You're not. You're not. Now's time. Quit being treacherous. Quit feignedly repenting, right, around everyone else. And just, the Bible says, be holy. It's time to repent. Or maybe there's a Christian that's become stagnant in their growth. You were growing closer to Christ, but you've kind of been stagnant with that. Maybe you've, you've done a lot of things. And here's the thing, right? It's New Year today. Maybe you've posted, here's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. And, and I'm telling you, if you do those things, those are good. Those are good changes to make. But don't just post it on Facebook or something to get us to think, wow. Look at them. They're really going to get out of this year. And then feignedly not really do it. Because you don't have to impress me. You know what impresses me is people that are real. And I hope that's the same is true vice versa. I don't want to put on a show. Do you? I, I don't want people to think I'm great. I want people to think the Lord is great. Amen. And he's saying, hey, the sham's over. The fakeness is over. You go tell Judah, I know what they're doing. They've seen it for real right next door with their brothers that, are, that were carried away. And he's saying, hey, you don't repent, you're going to be next. You're going to be next. And that's what happens. But if you read this chapter, not just the part we looked at, it is crystal clear that he wanted them back. He calls him his bride. He says, I'm married to the backslider, right? That's what he's telling you. He's like, I'm not giving up on you. You may have given up on me. You may have walked away from me. You may have committed adultery with me, but I want you back. That's what the Lord's saying right at the beginning. Isn't he saying and all the treachery and all the harlotry and all the many lovers yet return again to me, saith the Lord. And that's what yeah. I'm telling you. As much conviction and guilt as you're feeling right now, the mercy and love of Jesus is right there saying, hey, it's because I want to wake you up and bring you back to me. That's what he wants. And I'll tell you what, you'll never regret a time where you come back to Jesus Christ. You'll never regret a time where you get closer to him. You'll never regret a time where you see his true love and mercy. And I'm telling you what, if we would just, if we would just humble ourselves and turn to him, he will do great things. He will. He loves us today. He loves us. He's trying to get Judah's attention. It's harsh words, isn't it? Is he trying to get your attention today? Right? Guess what? If they returned to the Lord, they would have got peace, protection, the rain, everything else. Right? That's what he promised for Israel and Judah. What's he promised for you? What's he promised for you if you turn back to him? Peace of mind, love, the Holy Spirit more full in your life. The fruit of the Spirit coming out. 
Isn't that what we want? I'm going to ask everyone to stand today.